0: tonight in the saviour's precious name as we come to god's house we're here to worship him and we're singing together the hymn 265 i stand amazed in the presence of jesus the nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean how marvelous how wonderful let's really sing our opening hymn again. This great verse that reminds us of the substitutionary work of Christ. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. And as we sing this hymn I'll ask Pastor Thompson to come to the pulpit and lead us to the throne of grace in prayer.
1: father we thank you that that's not only him that's a reality in our hearts he took my sins and we want to praise you heavenly father that we know because of the cross of Calvary because of Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary the wages of sin is no more for us we thank you that we have received the free gift of God which is eternal life and we want to praise you heavenly father that we know that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, that we have been adopted into your family not because of anything of ourselves, because all our righteousness is like filthy rags, but we want to thank you, Father, for Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, that paid the price of my sin, our sins upon the cross. And we want to thank you for that wonderful forgiveness of sins that wonderful peace with God, all because Jesus paid the price upon the cross. And as we come before you tonight, Heavenly Father, we pray for those who may have never experienced that yet. They have never called upon the name of our Lord. They don't know what it is to be able to say, it it is well with my soul. I pray, Heavenly Father, tonight as your servant comes and shares the gospel, and as we hear the testimony, we ask as Jesus is exalted and uplifted and glorified, we're asking, Father, for anybody who is here tonight or listening in tonight and they're not converted, they're not saved, they're not born again, we're asking in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit that you be convict of sin and ungodliness and you draw them with the cords of your love. The angels in heaven will be rejoicing. Tonight over one, over one sinner that puts our faith and trust in Christ. And Father, we do pray for your children. We pray for those who claim to be a believer. We pray that our behavior would be linked to the scriptures and not linked to the world. We pray, Heavenly Father, that our behavior would be God-glorifying. We pray that our lifestyle would be God-glorifying. You have told us who shall ascend the hill of the Lord of who shall stand in his holy place he that has clean hands and a pure heart father we are asking through the power of a holy spirit that you reveal to us if our hands are not clean and our heart is not pure and we're dancing with the world and proclaiming that we're walking with Christ lord convict of ungodliness convict of a, a waywardness in our hearts and father even tonight anyone who's cold in their heart, may they come and may they just recommit their life to you. So we surrender this service, exalt Christ, glorify your son in his wonderful name.
0: Amen. Thank you, brother, for opening in prayer. We're going to worship the Lord and sing about the love of Christ. There will never be a sweeter story, story of the Saviour's love divine. Love that brought him from the realms of glory just to save a sinful soul like mine. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? And of course we know that it is. Let's sing it with joy and on to the Lord's great name. Delighted tonight that Kirsty's with us with us for some time now and she's going to give a report and we were to testimony. We're glad that the Lord has spoken to her and called her. She's leaving tomorrow morning. I thought it was later in the week, but tomorrow morning at six o'clock in the morning to go over to England as she studies with Crown College. Kirsty, come and, and speak with us tonight. Just share what's in your heart. May the Lord bless you as you do so.
2: Good evening everyone. Just want to thank you all for coming to this service tonight and um, I'm just going to give a wee word of my testimony first and then um, tell you a bit about heading off to study at Crown College. First of all I just want to thank uh, God for uh, saving my soul and uh, if it wasn't for God I wouldn't be here tonight standing up telling you about my testimony and going off to study and I just want to read one verse at the start it's found in Isaiah 58 verse 11 and it says and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not well growing up I knew the gospel and I was sent along to Sunday school and children's meetings um, earlier on, before I started to worship here, I did attend the church in Colerain. I attended Korean Free Presbyterian Church. So I grew up through the church there and through the meetings there. So we, even though I grew up knowing about God and knowing the way of salvation and knowing what was right and what was wrong, um, I still was a sinner and I wasn't saved. And it wasn't until I was the age of 17 that... One Sunday night, I was uh, sitting in a normal church service in Corain. And um, to me, it was just another Sunday night, just another Sunday meeting. There's n- not anything different about it. But that night, God took a deal with my soul and put me under conviction of my sin. I don't remember much about the meeting. I don't remember what was said or what was preached on or anything like that. But what I did know that night was that I needed to be saved. So that night i stayed behind and at that time it was the reverend roger higginson in corain and i spoke to the reverend higginson and um, that night he led me to the lord and i gave my soul over to christ and since then i've been walking with the lord and going on with him and it hasn't been easy but god has always sustained and got us through and shortly after i got saved and um, i started getting more involved in the church and in the different meetings and activities that was going on and i got involved in the children's work in Coleraine. And this is really where my burden started. I have a great desire for children's work and a great burden for children's work. And by helping out at the challenge meetings in Coleraine, this is where my burden started. And I also got involved in the outreach team in Coleraine and went on a lot of youth council trips, which was doing different children's missions and meetings in different parts of Northern Ireland and also um, over in England as well. And then fast forward in a wee bit, uh, now that I worship here at Hebron, and um, (coughs) I've been here for about two years now, I think, and um, I'm just going to tell you a wee bit now about how I came to the decision to, uh, that I felt the Lord leading me to study at Crown College. So maybe, um, if you remember, um, Crown College was um, over here with us in, april of this year and they came and they took our prayer meeting and did a deputation uh, meeting with us i always knew had heard of crown college always knew about them for they came quite frequently to Colrain, and um, so i always knew of them and knew the work that they'd done but it was that night they were over back with us in april that i was felt really convicted and felt that i needed to do something more for god and god was speaking to my heart that night and there was a song that the group sang when they were over here. It's called It's Still a Cross and there was a particular line in that song and it said, Compelling me to spend my life in giving everything for Christ. And that really spoke to me and it really convicted me and I knew that I just needed to go and do something more for God. So with this burden, with this desire in my heart and mm-hmm. by Frank College and knowing what they offered, um, I took Uh, I spoke to Mr. Park and um, he uh, told the session and I had a meeting with Mr. Park in the session and I just shared with them my burden and my desire to um, do something more and to even, uh, if possible, go over to Crown and study with them. So after I had the meeting with Mr. Park in the session, who was uh, in full support, um, I filled out my application form for Crown College, and um, i apply i'm applying for the gap year program so gap stands for gospel apprenticeship program and it's a one-year course and that's the that's the program i'm applying for so i filled out the application form and got that sent off and then uh the next part was just waiting waiting to hear so that was a um a wee bit long but eventually i was um I got word that I had an interview and it was going to be over soon just because of my distance. So um, I was interviewed for, to go and study at Crown College at the GAP program. And I was interviewed on Wednesday, the 28th of June. And some of you might remember that day. for That's the day Peter and Lucy got married as well. So there's a lot of important things happening that day. Um, so I got my interview and the interview, I felt, went very well and uh, it went very good and uh, again the next part after the interview was just waiting waiting to hear if I got accepted into uh, the course or not so what, after what felt like forever although it was only a couple of weeks but it felt like forever um, I finally got word to um, say that I had been accepted into the 23-24 gap program to study at Crown College and I was very pleased about that so after after um, then i was able to start telling people then and telling that um, i was going off to uh, crown college to study so maybe for those who just don't know where is crown college and it's so we if you fly into birmingham that's the closest airport it's 40 minutes out of birmingham there's a wee town um, near where crown college is called Dorwich Spa. I'm not sure if he's heard of it. I hadn't until I was going to Crown. So, um, but that's the closest town to the college and it's very close to the college. But if you go to Birmingham, you'll probably be alright because I do not really know where it is either. So, but um, that's where Crown College is set, at, and uh, I'm going for one year at the start. Um, some people ask me, am I getting home? Yes, I think there's the possibility like, to come back at Christmas and stuff, but the duration of the course is one year. And um, I just want to read another verse to you. It's in Isaiah 43, verse 6. Um, I had said that I the great desire for children's work, my burden started when I was helping out the children's meetings. Well, shortly after that, around that time, I got this verse. And Isaiah 43, verse 6 says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thy hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. And that verse has stayed with me ever since. And just a couple more verses I want to read. Um, The night or the day that I found out that I was accepted into the program for Crane College that night um, in my Bible reading, the verses were Joshua 1, verse 8 and 9, which says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, wheresoever thou goest. And that just was really like a confirmation to me that this was the right thing to do, and this was God's will. Um, <clears throat> so I just even want to take this opportunity just to even thank yous now for the support that has already been shown to me since the since it was first announced that i was going over to crown in, and in the study there the support has been quite overwhelming. just want to thank everyone of you for your support and for your prayers and um if you maybe just a couple of prayer requests um if you would uh, just pray for a safe flight over i do leave tomorrow and yes we have to leave at 6am so that's quite early and um fly over to birmingham so you would even just remember that we would get over safely and even if you would just pray that I would settle in okay and just uh, uh, not be too homesick or anything like that there. And I just uh hope that gives you a wee bit more insight into what I'll be doing and where I'll be going and I can definitely send a wee update sooner or later as to uh what I'm doing and uh what else goes on at Crown College and I just want to take this opportunity to thank uh all you for all of your support already. And um, thank everybody just for coming tonight as well. And there's some family and friends here who have made the trip down especially to be here. Just want to thank them for coming. But thank you so much for your support.
0: You want to stay there, Kirsty. We'll, we'll have a were word of prayer. A couple of our elders are going to come now. If you would come to the pulpit and lead us to the throne of grace in prayer. And remember, Kirsty, and we're asking the congregation to do the same. You take this young lady upon your heart, pray for her, for her protection, that the Lord will keep her in every way, that the Lord will provide for her needs. She has college fees to pay, and the Lord will bless her in her training as she studies to show herself approved unto God. So we'll pray together. Jonathan and Irvin are here, and the, the microphone is there. So, Amen.
3: Let us pray. Our loving Father and our eternal God we bow humbly and reverently in thy presence and we thank thee that we're coming to the one who has promised to lead and to guide continually. We thank thee for thy word and we pray our loving Father that as Kirsty would head to crown tomorrow we pray that thou wilt continue to bless her with the promises of thy word. We thank thee for the leading of God in her life. We thank you for the day that you brought her savingly to Christ. Mm -hmm. and We pray, our loving Father, that as she takes this step of faith, that thou will go before her. We thank you for that promise that was given to Joshua those many years ago. And we pray that thou will go before thy child, make the crooked places straight, and may she prove every day the sufficiency of thy grace. We pray that the burden to serve thee will continue to be her portion and that thou would help her in her studies that thou will help her uh, even to settle in and crown and for those who would have the responsibility to uh, teach there we pray that thou will give them the help and the wisdom that they need and our loving father we're not unmindful of the family here at home we thank thee for the Wallace family and we pray that thou will bless each one of them and may they even as they would say farewell to Kirsty, in these hours, may they even prove in their own lives the help and the grace that they need as a family at this time. And so, our loving Father, may there be a challenge to us all to serve Thee. We pray, our loving Father, that Thou wilt enable us as a congregation to take Kirsty upon our hearts, to continue to remember her in prayer. And may, Lord, she be the first of many more who will be called of God to serve Thee. For we ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. Our
4: gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you Lord for the nectar of this meeting even tonight. We thank you Lord for the encouragement it is to even to each one of the members here in this church. We thank you Lord for putting a desire into Kirsty's heart to Go and study to show herself approved unto God. We thank you for her. We thank you for the day that you saved her. We thank you for her family. We thank you, Lord, for even for the encouragement she's been uh, in this church, even in the, in the youth work and every aspect of the work, her faithfulness at, at the times of prayer. No, God, we pray that you'll take her up and you'll use her. You'll bless her. And even, Lord, as she goes over to Crown College, that you'll help her, Lord, even to mix there with those uh, those other students, help her to make friends easily, help her Lord to even be encouraged in thee and oh God most of all we pray Lord that she will learn more of thee and draw closer to thee we pray Lord that you'll bless her Lord we pray that Kirsty would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, we pray this in thy precious and lovely name Amen, Amen. Amen. And Everybody say it, Amen. Amen Kirstie, the
0: Lord bless you Go with you. We bid you welcome to the meeting tonight and family of Kirsty, especially, uh, mum and dad, sister, others that are here, especially. We welcome you. It's a special night for you as you see Kirsty going forward with the Lord. We welcome other visitors, <coughs> and we, we have our Scottish friends that are back again, Pastor Thompson, his wife, uh, good to have you in the meeting, and other friends with you, I understand Jim and Alison, and they're from Glasgow, and Milguy, is that how you pronounce that word, uh, to be more specific, we welcome them especially in the Saviour's precious name, and of course you're over particularly for a wedding, there's a wedding taking place on Wednesday, and we have a wedding taking place on Wednesday as well. We think of Andrew and Sarah, and this morning we wished them God's blessing from this congregation. We will be praying for you, not just for Wednesday, but in your future life together, that the Lord will be with you. And we trust that the other wedding with Bethany and Reuben will go well also. If you're listening tonight on the Internet, on Sermon Audio, Facebook or YouTube, we also bid you welcome to this service Just a few announcements to make. Refreshments will be served after this meeting. It would be remiss for me not to mention Emily's mother, Jane, and grandmother, uh, Maureen, uh, in the meeting this evening as well. So we're all rejoicing in little baby uh, David coming into the world five and a half weeks ago. And we're praying for him at this time. We know the difficulty and uh, I want to thank the church just for taking David upon your heart and remembering him before the Lord and we trust that all will go well with him Thursday night is the midweek service at 8 o'clock Greg will be back to speak again on Isaiah 53 and bring his final message we will be praying particularly for our children's ministry on Friday morning 6 o'clock 9 o'clock sorry 6 o'clock is when Kirsty is leaving 9 o'clock in the morning The children going on the Sunday school camp and the leaders will be leaving from the church here and that camp will go on until Sunday afternoon. We'll be worshipping together next Lord's Day morning down in Malaya and then returning in the afternoon. Remember our own prayer meeting here at 8 o'clock, our worship service at 12 noon. Chris Killen, missionary to the addicted, will be the preacher next Lord's Day at noon. The open air in the afternoon, the venue with Stuart Park, gospel meeting at 7, I'll be here God willing to preach on the subject, the great day of judgment and accountability and then back to Sunday school and church barbecue Saturday the 2nd of September at 5.30, we did this last year very successfully, many came and it's just a time to be together as a church and particularly we think of the children going back to Sunday school can I mention family night Uh, on the 3rd of September, Sandra Marshall Will come to give her testimony. We all remember whenever her son uh, was very tragically uh, killed. He was coming home from a youth meeting and was involved in an accident. And is going to tell us how the Lord uh, undertook for her and brought her through a time of great trial. The gospel mission, we want you to pray for it in of School, the 10th to the 24th of September. There's preparation for the mission. On Thursday, the 31st Thursday week, we will have a mission preparation message. And then from Monday the 4th to the Friday the 8th, outreach and prayer meeting nights. Another announcement that I want to make is way down the line, 15th of October, but I want to mention this, emphasize it so you can get it into your diary and invite others to come. There's a gentleman that I've been introduced to. I've not met him uh, in the flesh. I've only talked to him on the phone He attends a church in England where my brother-in-law is an elder. And we got to hear about this man and the wonderful testimony that he has. He came to the United Kingdom many, many years ago in 1939, and he came on a train from Germany. Back then, as the war was looming, as the Nazis were marching uh, through the country and persecuting Jewish people, the lives of children were greatly in danger as well as their parents the mother of Courtney uh, put him into an orphanage for a time just to preserve his life to save him from the holocaust and his life was spared but the Germans began to persecute even the orphans uh, that were Jews in the orphanage places so Courtney's life was in danger kinder transport uh, for the children was a scheme organised by uh, the United Kingdom government and they brought children over to the British Isles 10,000 of them and Courtney was on the last train that left with children coming to this country the age of 5 he came grew up, learned English the age of 15 was converted to Christ and the Lord called him to preach the word and he has pastored for over 60 years in various churches in free evangelical and reformed churches in England at almost 90 he's still travelling to preach the word and it wasn't that long ago he he drove 100 miles just this old man driving to preach the word at a certain church he's coming to Northern Ireland we're bringing him over to give his testimony on that night and we're looking forward to it you're invited 7 o'clock is the time just to mention the shoebox appeal even already uh, finances come in for this I want to thank you Uh, for contributing to these poor children we did this last year and the children got a a shoebox with gifts inside it that will help them with their school and general things and so thank you for those that have contributed already and those who will do so as we support the children in the school at Redcash and in the community at Muldavanoa going to bring our tithes and offerings into the house of God this evening just now and sing together the hymn 512 it's the missionary council envelopes and school covenant support that's due and remember also there's a retiring offering tonight as you leave this is to support Kirsty. she has college fees to pay she will have expenses and we want to help her and encourage her and on a month by month basis this church will do that but there's a special offering tonight we don't want you to forget that as you leave just as you go out through the doors. Give me the faith which can remove and sink the mountain to a plain. Give me the childlike praying love which longs to build thy house again. Thy love let it my heart o'erpower, power and all my yearning soul devour. We we'll remain seated as the offering is taken. <laughs> Two short Bible readings that I want to read with you now, first from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, and then over to Matthew, chapter 9. But first of all, in Mark, chapter 16, we'll read from verse 14 through to the end of the chapter. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word, the signs following. And then go back to Matthew chapter 9, and the last verses again of this chapter, 35 to 39 to 38. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And this is the passages of Scripture the Lord brought me to on this night as we have a special evening for Kirsty going to train with Crown College. But let's pray first of all. Let's seek the Lord. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that has gone before. We rejoice in our worship of the Lord tonight in the singing of the praises of God. We thank you for the testimony and report from Kirsty the prayer that has been offered on her behalf. And now for your precious word that we've read together. And Lord, we believe there's a message for us here, something to consider in the light of our own Christian experience for those that are believers in this meeting particularly. And so close us in with yourself just for these minutes. Speak to our hearts by the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. We ask in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. I have two verses that I want to leave with you tonight and they will be the basis of my remarks, two points that I want to make because I want to speak on two commands regarding the Great Commission. And the first one is here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 15, where Jesus says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then the second command is in Matthew chapter 9 and the last verse, verse 38. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. The Lord in his grace and in his mercy has made this congregation here at Hebron a church that is full of zeal and compassion and burden for the lost souls of men. This is so locally and globally. The spirit of evangelism has been instilled into our hearts, the hearts of our members since the beginning of our days back in Cabra. Indeed, our church was founded upon gospel preaching and an all-night prayer meeting. Those of you, and there's not many left who were there all those years ago, in 1951, you will recall that. On the home front, we reach out to many to win the loss to Christ, and a soul winning desire burns within our hearts. And I trust that that will, will continue. Indeed, I trust that that will intensify. On the fallen field, missionaries and workers have been sent into the world to preach the gospel to the nations of the world. In recent years, we have, by the grace of God, been able to send more to Bible college and into the Lord's work than ever before. We we'll go back to when Noreen went to Africa. We think of Armin serving the Lord now in Greenville. We think of Joshua down in Bangor, Alejandro over in Corticus Nuevas in Spain. We think of Jonathan, who has come through college and is looking to the Lord now for his will. And we think of David, who has just finished his course at the Whitfield College of the Bible, and Greg, who is going into his final year. Well, tonight, we're sending another. Into training with the blessing of the oversight of this church and the blessing of this congregation. And that's our sister Kirsty. We have watched her grow and develop and mature over these past couple of years into the woman that the Lord has made her with that desire in her heart to serve the Lord. And we certainly wish her Godspeed as she goes early in the morning over to England outside Birmingham to Crown College. To train and to prepare. And so I want to take this opportunity this evening to remind all of God's people, especially, that we have two great duties when it comes to the Lord's work on earth. Two great commands from the lips of the Commander in Chief, Jesus Christ, that we need to adhere to. There is a command to go. Jesus says, go ye, and there is a command to pray. He says, pray ye, and that's my message tonight. And I just want to outline these two points with you very quickly. First of all, there is a command to go in the gospel of Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's the command of the Savior and then the other command to pray is to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest. The great Spurgeon said if there be any one point in which the Christian church ought to keep its fervor at a white heat, it is concerning missions. If there be anything about which we cannot tolerate lukewarmness, it is in the matter of sending the gospel to the dying world. He said, there is a prayer that I mean to continue to offer until it is answered, that God would pour out on this church a missionary spirit. And Spurgeon said that in his day. I would re-echo those words. I would cry to God even now in my heart that upon this church continually, God will pour out that spirit of missionary work. There's another great preacher who once spoke on the missionary question in his day and he said that the great question is not will the heathen be saved if we do not send them the gospel, but are we saved ourselves if we do not send them the gospel? So let's come to our first point in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, a command to go. And I want to give a little emphasis to the Great Commission here, it was the eternal purpose of God that the gospel message be communicated to the world, in fact, to the uttermost parts of the earth. This indeed was the mind of God from all eternity. In reconciling a fallen world unto himself, he gave his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus Christ, in other words, he stood in the stead of sinners to turn away the wrath of God from a holy God. He came or from sinful men, a holy God from sinful men, that men might be reconciled to him. And he did that by means of his atoning sacrifice. This message of the mighty work of Christ is to be proclaimed in the world that there is a Savior, from all sin, if men will only let him in. Maybe you're in the meeting tonight and you're not saved. I want you to know there's a Savior from your sin. And Jesus Christ can save you tonight. and can save to the uttermost all that come. I want you to know that there's one who has been to the cross and has satisfied divine justice and turned away the wrath of God from sinners who trust in the merit of his redeeming blood. Throughout his ministry, Jesus spoke about the purpose of his incarnation, why he came into the world. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am not come to judge the world, Jesus said, but to save the world. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be slain, and be raised again the third day. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, referring to the cross, when he would die, when he would be crucified. Jesus said that he came, that the world through him might be saved. And that's the purpose of the Incarnation. That's why Jesus came. This is the mission of Christ to this earth. And Jesus Christ wanted his mission to become our mission. He wants us, as the old General Booth said, to live a dying world to save. Is the mission of Christ your mission tonight? At the end of his life and his ministry on earth in that 40 day period the Lord Jesus Christ declared the message of salvation and how that that message of salvation was to be conveyed to the men and women of this world. He stressed the importance of preaching the gospel to a perishing people. It was his last command. We've often thought about the, the parting words of Christ and we've often thought how even in an earthly sense our parting words or our loved ones our friends parting words when they leave this world are, are important and they're precious maybe some of you have been there where loved ones have been taken and they've had a deathbed and they've had an exchange of conversation and those last words maybe words of, of exhortation words of encouragement, words of desire as they expressed what their desire was as they were leaving this world for you that were left behind. How that if you were a Christian, you might go on with God, or if you weren't a Christian, then you might be saved. But those, those parting words were important to you and precious. How much more the words of Christ before he left this world, particularly to his people. The final words of Matthew's gospel in Matthew 28 were to do with the Great Commission. For sake of time, I'll not read them, but the Lord in verses 18 through to verse 20 of this chapter, he tells his people to go into the world and, and teach the nations of the world and gave the promise, I'm, I'm with you even unto the end of the world. His last utterance recorded by Mark are uh, here in the verses that we read tonight. Go into the, wor- the world and preach the gospel. You will find that in Luke's gospel, we have very similar words recorded in Luke chapter 24. And again, towards the end of the chapter, let me read just some verses from verse 46. Jesus said, thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among the nations, all nations, all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And when you come to the end of the Gospel of John, the second last chapter, in the chapter 20, you remember Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. As God Almighty had commissioned Christ to come into the world on that great mission of rescuing men from sin, Jesus said, I'm sending you with the very same mission to go out there and rescue others and bring them to know the Lord as their Savior. Acts chapter 1 records that final meeting that Jesus had with his disciples before he was taken up into glory. And this is what we read in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 1 of the Acts of the Apostles. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. I want to say to you tonight, dear people of God, this is the chief assignment designated to the church of Jesus Christ. What is it? It's preaching. Preaching so that the multitudes of the world, the nations of the earth, might be gathered in from every tribe, every kindred, every people, and every tongue. Preaching must always be central in what we do. We're not a social church. God forbid that we would ever become a social church. Though there are things that in our work for the Lord and our good works we do. And we help people and you know that. But that's not the end all and be all. When we have the opportunity to help people here at home and further afield in other countries we always say to them if this is all we do we fall short in the mission that God has given to us. Our mission is is to preach the gospel. And may this church always be a gospel-preaching church. Just let me say, by the way, we're not to be bogged down arguing over the finer points of doctrine and belief, though doctrine is extremely important, and the Bible tells us that we are to give heed to the doctrines that we believe. The disciples in this very chapter were momentarily distracted by the doctrine of eschatology. That's just things that are yet to happen and that's what they were thinking about. Now it's important to know what you believe. It's vitally important to know, to know that Jesus is coming back again and to believe that. But don't get so caught up in prophecy that you forget the main task and that's preaching. Look at these men. Just by way of example in In verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, when they came together, this is the last meeting that the Lord is having with these men. When they came together, they asked him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? These disciples believed that the Lord would restore the kingdom to Israel. But what did Jesus say? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. You see, my friends, there are times and seasons that belong to God. However, it is our duty to be witnesses. It's plain that that's what the Lord wants us to be witnesses to Christ, beginning at Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and ultimately the uttermost part. And as we have reminded you many times, for you and I living here in Northern Ireland and for those that come to this congregation, Valimani is our Jerusalem. This is where our main focus of concentration must be. We are to get the gospel out to our families, to our friends, to this community where we live, our neighbors. And that's why we have our gospel meetings every Sunday night. That's why we organize a family night once a month. That's why we hold our missions. We have our special open air meeting in the town twice a month. That's why we go door to door when the Lord gives us opportunity and we have for the children youth challenge in the summer and we have our Sunday school outreach program. Remember our home mission ministry. Greg is helping out in that uh, one day a week and we're thankful for that. But remember what we do on the home front as a congregation. And then we have a Judea. Uh, I've often seen that to be the rest of Northern Ireland. We want to be a New Testament church. We want to be a model congregation. We want to be a spreading church. We're not selfish in our outreach to think that God's work stops here. No, we're we concerned for the rest of this province in which we live. And we want to support the work of the gospel throughout Northern Ireland. And there are missions that are held throughout the country. We have our sister congregations. We have our children's evangelists. We have our brother Chris Killen, uh, who's coming to speak next Sunday morning, out there working with those that have addiction. And we have others that are engaged in this work. Our Judea here in Northern Ireland... But then there's a little bit further that the Lord wants us to go, and that is Samaria. And we've often seen Samaria to be the south of Ireland. We must not in any way to be prejudiced against our neighboring Roman Catholic country. We thank God for the couple of churches that we have in Convoy and Corrigari, for the work that Colin Maxwell does in the south, for the, the plowing championships, that are held in the witness, the tent that is put up there, and the witness that is made, They Consider Christ campaign, bringing groups of people down to the south to spread the gospel. And then there's the uttermost part of the earth. We think of Europe. Think of Eastern Europe. We think of the African countries, India, China, Nepal, Pakistan, places where the Lord has opened doors for us. We have a gospel duty to remember the work of missions in other parts, the furtherance of the gospel where we can have a part to play. And that's why we have sent missionaries around the world. That's why we have a mission board that looks after these missionaries. That's why there's a missionary council that raises money and seeks to raise the, the vision for missionary work in our various congregations. And that's why we help where we can in other places. And we send young people to Bible college as we are seeking to do even this very night. A New Testament church is a missionary-minded church. We must believe in the spread of the gospel because it is the mind and the will of Almighty God. If we do not believe in the Great Commission and and do not take an active role in the furtherance of the gospel both at home and abroad, We are not New Testament Christians and we certainly cannot claim to be a model church. Sadly, the church of Jesus Christ through the world has lost its vision. Few are being sent today, if we're honest. Not many are willing to go. Not many are willing to pay the price to go to be a servant of the Lord elsewhere not prepared to give up all to serve him. We need a revival in missionary service. The laborers are few. Listen to what some of the great missionary heroes of the past said. Hudson Taylor, great missionary to China. He said the great commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to obey. Henry Martin, missionary to India and Persia, He said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. And Jim Elliot, missionary martyr who lost his life in the late 1950s trying to reach the Aka Indians of Ecuador, he said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I only wish that the spirit of the Great Commission burned in the hearts of God's people today. Where is the burden? Where's the concern? Where's the vision? Where is the obedience? For without a vision, the people will perish. And so we have a divine command. Jesus says, Go ye. You're listening tonight. Go ye young person with a potential life to serve him. Go ye. The Lord says, ye shall be witnesses. He says, son, go work today in my vineyard. He says, preach the word. The Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters and thou shalt find it after many days. I wonder, are you obeying the command? Are you involving yourself as far as you can in the the Great Commission? Do you seek to evangelize the lost? Have you ever ever heard God speak to your heart? Have you ever sensed his voice in your soul? Felt the burden? Been moved with compassion inwardly? Does the love of Christ constrain you? as it ought to? Can you not hear the tramp, tramp, tramp of the souls of men and women going over the precipice into a lost eternity. Do you not see the multitudes that are perishing? Souls that are marching every day to a lost eternity. Jesus says, go ye. We often speak about the cost, don't we? We speak about the sacrifice. We speak about what a person might have to give up for the sake of the Lord, and in a sense that is so. The disciples gave up all for Christ. Peter said, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. And Jesus told them, Every one that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. There may be, in a very real sense, a sacrifice to make. A giving up of your ambitions, your possessions. Your fortunes, your family, your country, those things that you hold dear to your heart. There might be a saying, farewell to earthly dreams and earthly aspirations. Perhaps we ought to look more at the privilege than the sacrifice. And if you look at the privilege of serving Christ and not the sacrifice, what you give up, it'll make the difference. It was the great missionary David Livingstone who said, If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Did you get that? you were commissioned by the king of the land to do a work for him, you would say that's an honor and privilege. High heaven is calling. The king of kings is calling. And really at the end of the day it's not a sacrifice, it's a privilege, it's an honor. Go ye, that's the first command. Very quickly look at the second command, the command to pray. And here we come to those last verses of Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Jesus says to the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I was looking at these verses some time ago, and I noticed a number of things just here lying on the surface of the text. I noticed the feet of Christ. We have the feet of Christ, I think, in verse 35, where it says Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Well, he couldn't have done that without his feet. There the Lord is traveling walking, marching, serving. We have the lips of Christ because we're told that he was teaching and he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And we have the hands of Christ. In the same verse, we're told that he was healing every sickness and every disease among the people, putting his hands upon those poor individuals that needed his touch. And we have the eyes of Christ in verse 36 when he saw the multitudes. I've often prayed, Lord, help me to see through the eyes of Christ. Those multitudes out there, I want to see as Jesus sees. And here's the eyes of the Lord. What are they looking at? The multitudes. And we have the heart of Christ. Because when he saw in the multitude, we're told he was moved with compassion. Right in here, in his soul, his heart, his inward being. He was moved with compassion. And we have the, the knowledge of Christ. What did he know? Well, he knew that these people were fainting and they were scattered. They were sheep without a shepherd. And also in verse 37, he also knew that the harvest was great or plenteous and the laborers were few. And then we have the mind of Christ. That brings us to the command, doesn't it? In verse 38, here's the mind of Christ in light of all that we've read here. Pray ye, pray ye therefore, that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest. Well, a great problem has always beset the church of Jesus Christ. What is that problem? The Lord identifies it the laborers are few. It's a problem in the day of Christ when he mourned over that fact, and it's still a problem today. There's a great harvest, there's a great work to be done, there's a multitude to reach and to gather in, but the laborers are few. And what are we to do? Well, Jesus tells us, He says, "Pray. That's the burden that He wants to place upon the church. We are to pray. That's the answer. The Christ-given answer. Uh, don't miss the place of prayer where at all possible, even for there's one reason. There's many reasons why the people of God ought to be at the prayer meeting. Here's one. Jesus says, "Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest. In local churches, it has to be said the laborers are few. Very often you find it's the small amount that does the greater part of the work. And that's so right throughout the world. We have vacant pulpits right here in Northern Ireland. We have friends in here tonight from Coleraine. There's a vacant pulpit there. We think of Mount marry, and we think of Kilkeel, Castle Derg, Six Mile Cross... Ballyclare, Carrick Ferguson. We know there's other men coming up to retirement age. Where are the men to fill these vacant pulpits? Maybe you tonight. And then we have struggling works on the mainland. You Think of England, Scotland and Wales and the small works that are there and they struggle. The foreign mission field is, is lacking workers. You ever think even of Europe? not very far away, you know. It's not Africa, it's not India. It's right beside us. Think of the many countries in our nearby mission field. There's something like 25 countries now member states in the European Union. We thank God for the work in Spain, but it's so small, just a few that are serving the Lord there. We thank God for the work that is being done in the south of Ireland. But what about the other countries in Europe? We have no witness in France, Germany, Italy, Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, Greece, Hungary, Romania, Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Malta, Netherlands, Poland, Slovakia, Slovenia, Sweden. The list goes on. No witness at all. Then we think of Africa. Africa. Over 1.2 billion people living in the African countries. we think of India, over 1.4 billion now in that land, and we think of China the same, over 1.4 billion. And how little of these great populations of the world are being reached. We have a few missionaries in Kenya, we have a few in Uganda. We have Joanne and Dave in Liberia. we have Depankar now in India and Ravi. We have a few contacts in Pakistan, but what about the billions of people in this world? Over 8 billion now who have never heard the gospel and over half of the world's population living in one continent, the continent of Asia with its 4.7 billion people. All the world is perishing and the church of Jesus Christ is sleeping. Yes, the laborers are few. And what's the answer? Here's the answer. Jesus says, pray ye therefore. That's our business. In the light of the fact that the laborers are few, Jesus says, pray. God works in answer to prayer. He has given us this means of grace, the immense privilege to his people. We can draw near to the throne. We can approach the Most High. Jesus says, pray when the laborers are few, when the pulpits are vacant, when workers are needed, when missionaries are lacking, when we see the multitudes around us perishing in their sin, we are duty-bound to bring the matter to God in prayer. And God moves in answer to prayer. And therefore, we must pray. We must see the value of supplication. We must realize that God raises up men for the spiritual harvest fields of this world in answer to the faithful supplications of his people and the Lord says to his people pray you therefore because we have vacant pulpits because few workers are going forth because the missionary field is vast and and not many missionaries are being sent forth because the, the harvest is plenteous because the fields are white because souls are dying because hell is burning for the teeming multitude pray men ought always to pray and not the faint, and sadly, this is the fainting age. If ever there was a day when God's people needed to be strong, it is today, and especially strong in the Lord and in the place of prayer. Do you give yourself to prayer? Or you found one thing? Are you a faithful prayer warrior? Can it be said that ministers and missionaries evangelists and preachers and workers and leaders are not being raised up because we have neglected this matter. Now, my friends, I close by saying here's the answer. Jesus gives it to us. Pray ye. Two commands regarding the Great Commission. Go ye. Pray ye. I finish tonight I'm trusting in my heart that there will be some will hear go ye not everybody is maybe going to be able to go to the mission field in fact everyone that's a Christian here can go because you can go to your friend you can go to your family member you can go to your neighbor but I'm trusting that at least some will hear go ye and obey that command this very night God's working in your heart and God's calling you to serve him. Be like the ones we've mentioned, Kirsty, who's obeyed that and going to Bible college to train. Go ye. And then here's something that everybody can do. Let's pray ye, all of us, we can be involved in the ministry of supplication. Let us pray. Our God and Father, this is a good night. It's a good night because God is here and he's working in our hearts and speaking to our souls. We thank you for these commands that you've given in your word in light of the Great Commission, the work that needs to be done before Jesus comes again. Lord, help us to listen. May our ears prick up because it's the Lord that's speaking and it's Jesus that says, says, go ye and pray ye. And Lord, we pray that your word will not fall upon deaf ears and dull hearts, but make us receptive. Help us to listen and to hear what he's saying. Lord, may there be young people tonight that will step out for the Lord and go. May all of your people pray. And Lord, some tonight are in the mission field and they need to be saved, they need to be reached, and if they're here tonight in this meeting and they don't know the Lord, oh God, open their hearts to Christ that they might come to trust in the living Redeemer and know their sins forgiven, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's sing that hymn of challenge 532. Above thine own ambitions here, another voice is sounding clear. It is the call of God to thee, who we'll leave thy all and follow me. Go through with God. May there be a going through with God tonight. Father, may there be a going through with God. Thank you that Kirsty has placed herself in the way and is obedient to what the Lord has told her. She's going to college. We pray that you'll prepare the way for her and help her to go through with God. But not only Kirsty, so many others here, young people whose lives could be given to the Lord tonight. Work in us that which is pleasing. Bring glory to your name and honor to Christ in all that we do. Young people, step forward and go through with God tonight and hear your call, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And help us as a congregation to pray, to pray for the laborers who have gone, to pray for Kirsty who is preparing, and Lord, to pray that others will be raised up and sent into the harvest fields of the world. Dismiss us now in your fear and love. Bless our fellowship time, the food that has been provided to our bodies. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll ask Gerstie to go to the door with us and you can say goodnight to her as you leave. Thank you.